Good evening, Woodland Church family. I'm so happy to be with you all again this Wednesday evening for our Wednesday evening Bible study. Tonight, I want to talk about what it means to be an encourager. Do you ever feel discouraged? I think we all do. From the time that we're growing up and we're trying to learn how to tie our shoes, you know, getting those little bunny rabbit ears together so we can tie our shoes, how many times we got discouraged doing that? to when we get a little bit older and we got to start studying things like, you know, math and, and uh, geometry and all that stuff. We kind of get discouraged about that stuff too. And then we got to start learning how to drive a car. And my first car that I ever bought with my own money was a stick shift truck. And I did not know how to drive a stick shift at all. So I bought this truck with my own money. My dad took me and he had to drive me home. And then he had to try and teach me how to drive a stick shift. And I'm very thankful for my mom and dad's encouragement. And once I started doing that, I was able to, but I am kind of, I guess our kids today might be thankful that they don't have to worry about that stress at all of trying to drive a stick shift. But once, it, once you started doing it, it got easier. You know, and then all of a sudden we get married and we start raising our kids. And then we see our kids as they get discouraged in this world. And it makes us discouraged as well. So encouragement is something that we all need because everybody needs encouragement. I once read on the night that Abraham Lincoln was assassinated at Ford's Theater, he had a whole bunch of stuff in his pocket. He had two pairs of glasses. He had an eyeglass cleaner. He had an ivory pocket knife, a large handkerchief with A. Lincoln on it, stitched in red. He had a brass sleeve button. He had a whole bunch of other stuff. But what he also carried was eight newspaper clippings that he had cut out and he had saved. And all of them praised everything that he's done throughout his presidency. You know, the president of the United States carries a lot of weight on their shoulders. And it was nice for President Lincoln to be able to have those positive clippings because he needed encouragement. And just like I said, everybody needs encouragement. And God wants us to be encouragers. Our encouragement to others can do great things for God. And as we see throughout the Word of God, we see so many scriptures of hope and comfort and encouragement. And so this is why that we also see so many scriptures of, of, and pa of passages that encourage us to encourage one another. And we also have a lot of verses that are meant to encourage us. And so I'm so thankful that we serve a God who is the God of all comfort and encouragement. You know, Paul writes about this in 2 Corinthians 1, 2, and 5 when he wrote, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in his comfort too. It is God who is the God of all comfort. He's the God who comforts us in all of our afflictions. You know, and this is present tense, you know. God is comforting and encouraging us ever presently. You know, he's, his love and his mercy, he's eager to give comfort to his children. 
in any and all of our afflictions or in any of our circumstances that we find ourselves in. And one thing that I noticed when I was reading this scripture is six times we see the word comfort there. And then when I read it back to myself, I put in the word encouragement or encouraged. You know, because it's the same thing, comforting and encourage somebody. You know, because sadly, you know, we live in a world where we face disappointment. And many times we get discouraged. But Jesus promised his disciples, and he said in John 16, he said, I have said these things to you, that in me you have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. This is a great promise for us today as well, that even in our times of trouble and in discouragement, which it says we will have trials and tribulations, you know, Jesus gives us a word of encouragement and he tells us that he has overcome the world so that we can, through him, face these troubles, you know, because Jesus is greater than any trouble that we may face. You know, Jesus also spoke these words when he, that are recorded in John 15, 12. He said, love one another as I have loved you. And right before that, he said, this is my commandment. So he said, didn't say, hey, this is a good suggestion. You know, hey, I suggest that you love one another as I have loved you. Or if you have time, or if you like that person, love that person just as I have loved you. No, he said, this is my commandment to love one another as I have loved you. You know, and then earlier in John's gospel, Jesus also said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So how do we show our love for Jesus and keep his commandment to be obedient to him and to love each other? We can do it by copying his examples of loving others just as Jesus did and being an encouragement to each other. So every time I hear someone talk about being an encourager or being an encouragement to others, my thoughts go to a man in the Bible named Barnabas. You know, his real name was Joseph, but they called him Barnabas, or we might call him Barney, you know. But Barnabas means the son of encouragement. What a great nickname, right? So his name was Joseph, but they called him Barnabas because he was the son of encouragement. You know, Barnabas is one of my favorite people in the Bible. And I always think of him as being a kind and compassionate person. Someone that you can maybe sit down and just talk to for hours and hours. You know, he's one of those guys that can kind of lighten up the room when he walks in. You know, he's that kind of person that can encourage people everywhere that he went. And that's probably why he got his name of Son of Encouragement. And so we meet Barnabas in the book of Acts, which was written by Luke, the same Luke that wrote the Gospel of Luke. And the book of Acts is a wonderful book that details the history of the early church. Acts tells us how this rapidly growing community of believers in Christ received the power of the Holy Spirit and were empowered to witness and love and to serve the Lord. And so what we know about Barnabas is that he was a Levite from Cyprus. And Cyprus was a large island that's in the Mediterranean Sea, approximately 60 miles west of Syria and 50 miles south of Turkey. 
And it also says that he's a Levite. And him being a Levite means that he was from the tribe of Israel that descended from Levi. And if you know the Old Testament, if you read the Old Testament, it was the tribe of Levi or the Levites that were the priests in the Old Testament. And so one thing that we know is that, not, that all the priests had to be Levites according to the law, but not all the Levites were priests. So that's a little bit about his lineage that uh, Acts tells us. And so we first see Barnabas in Acts 4 is where we first meet him. And we can see right in the beginning of when we see him why he was probably nicknamed the son of encouragement. Because in Acts 4, 36 to 37, we see first that Barnabas is a man of great financial generosity because he sold a field that belonged to him and he brought the money that he received from the land and he sold it and he laid it at the apostles' feet. Acts 4, 36 and 37 describes Barnabas by saying, for instance, there was, a, there was Joseph, the one the apostle nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field that he owned and he brought the money to the apostles. So this is basically the only biography that we have of Barnabas. We don't see a lot about his life, but I tell you what, this is a great first impression of this man. You know, Barnabas didn't have to give all this money that he had to the apostles. You know, it wasn't required for him to do that. But he knew that if the church was to grow rapidly, that he had to be a generous giver. You know, this is a wonderful and necessary expression of encouragement and service to the early church. And so we should be generous givers as well. You know, um, we should be generous givers and we should want the church to grow rapidly and we should want us to flourish in the communities. And so he was known to be an encourager and we do see throughout Acts that he, how he was an encourager. Another example that I put in here is we see in Acts 9, we see Barnabas as he's encouraging Saul, who's later named Paul, after Paul's Damascus Road experience of seeing the risen Christ. And so Saul tried to join the church, but he was rejected by the believers there. It says in Acts 9, 26 and 27, it says, When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the, how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them, that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. And so I love this because we see the encouragement, the son of encouragement, Barnabas, and we see him speaking on behalf of Saul here. You know, he's telling the disciples, listen, this is a changed man. He is a changed man. You know, he loves Jesus. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He's preaching Jesus. He means us no harm. And it also says a few verses down in verse 31 that because of this, because of uh, Barnabas's encouragement with the apostles uh, to bring in, in Saul, the church had peace throughout Judea 
Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it grew in numbers. And so we do know that Saul became Paul. And a lot of times we think that once he got converted, that's when he changed his name to Paul. But it wasn't until Acts 13.9 that we see with his ministry among the Gentiles that he actually changes his name from Saul to Paul. So tonight I'm going to refer to him as Paul and maybe Saul. (laughs) Paul's notorious reputation preceded him. You know, because he had been persecuting and killing Christians. You know, if you think about it, he probably persecuted and killed some of the relatives of the believers there. So for them to be told, hey, you know, Paul's coming into our group, they were probably saying, not that Paul, you know, not the one that, you know, that destroyed my family here. You know, so they were afraid of Paul. You know, they didn't believe that he was a true disciple. Even three years after his conversion, these early Christians were still suspicious of Paul, and they maybe thought that he was, you know, some type of, there was some type of elaborate plot to kill them, and that he was just trying to get in there. Um, you know, I think about that when, you know, we kind of get that way sometimes, you know. Maybe, you know, someone that we know becomes a Christian, and it's somebody that we thought had no hope of salvation whatsoever, somebody that was way too far gone. You know, we might not be afraid of them, you know, but we might think, no, I know that person really well, and that person would never be a Christian. You know, there might be a lot of people that think about that with us too, you know, but we also see this with celebrities as well. You know, there's a lot of celebrities that, that become Christians and, and they have a real faith and they're very strong in their faith. You know, but a lot of times we, we just say, oh, no, that person, you know, I read stories about that person. That person would never become a Christian or, you know, so we need to be careful when we say these kind of things. You know, we need to show compassion and love and encourage these believers because being encouraging to others, you know, doesn't mean that you're going to tell somebody, hey, I like that shirt you're wearing today. Or, hey, that's a nice, that's a pretty dress that you're having on today. Or, you know, your beard looks really nice tonight. You know, that's a good type of encouragement, you know, but encouraging others in the church in a biblical encouragement is to encourage each other in the faith, to walk alongside of each other in the faith. You know, extend the love of Jesus to others, and welcome them into the family of God with encouragement and friendship. So Barnabas was obedient to God, and in the face of fear and skepticism, he affirmed Paul. He stood up for him. He said, I'm on your team, Paul. Let me walk you through this. I'm going to take you to the disciples, and we're going to talk about this. And so Paul never forgot what Barnabas did for him. You know, and there's going to be people in your life And you may not know it or not, but you're reaching people and you're touching people and you're encouraging people. And there might be people in your life that that will remember your encouragement and will remember your compassion and your friendship. And they'll never, ever forget that. And so what I also love about Acts chapter 9 is that in the beginning, we first read about a zealous man, Saul, who was breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord to the end where it says that the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up 
walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and it multiplied. So God was able to turn a terrible threat into a great blessing. And so lastly, we learn of Barnabas um, in his encouragement when he shows grace to others. In Acts 15, 36 to 39, we read how Barnabas' cousin Mark deserted them on a previous ministry, him and Paul, on a previous ministry trip that they had. You know, so now it's time for them to go again. And Barnabas said to Paul, let's take Mark, give him another chance. Let him prove himself. And Paul basically said, no, we can't risk another failure here. And so the result of their differences was so sharp that they split and went their separate ways. And Barnabas's commitment to Mark and giving him another chance and encouraging him was stronger than his commitment to returning with his lifelong friend or his longtime friend and co-worker, Paul. And so he took Mark and he sailed to Cyprus and then we never hear about Barnabas again. But you know who we do hear about again? We do hear about Mark and we've read his gospel. So what does that tell you about Barnabas? You know, maybe you've known somebody that's blown it, you know, failed you in some way. And they just want another opportunity. Are you glad that somebody gave you another chance when you failed? I am. And I think if Barnabas was here, he would say, you are worth the risk. And so we have the Gospel of Mark, and we have the writings of Paul, all because Barnabas encouraged and had leadership, and neither man was written off. So I know this is kind of like a longer introduction of this, but now I want to focus on one particular part of uh, the book of Acts. So we read in Acts 11, 20, 20, 22, 24, another great description of Barnabas. It says, when the church at Jerusalem heard what happened, so earlier in this chapter, the church heard about the large number of Gentiles that had heard about Jesus and many of them became believers in Christ. And so when the church in Jerusalem heard that what happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and he saw the, the evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy. That's such a great description. And he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and strong in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. What a great description of this man. You know, this is the type of person that we should all strive to be. We're passionate followers of Christ. We're full of the Holy Spirit and we have great faith. You know, so at this time, there was intense persecution that broke out in Jerusalem after the death of Stephen. And so because of this persecution, many of the Jewish believers had to flee to different places and many of them fled to Antioch in Syria. When the leaders in Jerusalem of the church heard this, that there were many Gentile converts, you know, they said, hey, what a great person to send, but Barnabas. Let's send Barnabas out there and see what's going on with that. Let them encourage them, or let him encourage them. And so it's also interesting to see that when we read in verses 25 and 26, that Barnabas was so encouraged when he went there and saw what was happening, that he just had to go back to Antioch and find, or he had to go find Paul and Tarsus and bring them back there. And so these two ended up with a mixed assembly of Jewish and Gentile believers for a whole year teaching them, you know, 
telling them about Jesus, telling them about their faith, um, giving them the example that they need to lead. And so this is also where the believers were first called Christians. And so the first thing that we see in our text tonight is that Barnabas was filled with joy. It says, when he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy. Barnabas was filled with joy because he went to Antioch and he saw all of these Gentile believers who had heard about Jesus and he could see the grace of God at work in the church that was planted there. You know, it was in Antioch that Christianity was kind of set in motion on a worldwide mission where the early followers of Christ preached to the Gentiles. It was also a big center of worship for many pagan cults, and they promoted immorality and all the other forms of evil, evil, but the gospel was spreading. And so Barnabas went there, and he was encouraging them in the faith. He was teaching them in the faith, you know, because he had a good standing, and he was there, and he, he changed lives. They changed lives there in Antioch. And so it grew so much that as you continue to read through the book of Acts, you'll see that this was a, a launching site for many of Paul's missionary journeys. And this church also had other key leaders that were in the early church there. You know, how many times have you walked into a church and, and you didn't feel the joy of the Lord on the people's faces or see the joy of the Lord on the people's faces? You know, what I love is, what I would love is, is somebody to come in on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning and just see the grace of God that's here at Woodland Church and, and the believers here and how we just worship and we love the Lord. And I think that they would be joyful and they would be glad to be here and they'd be filled with joy just as Barnabas was. Paul wrote in Romans 15, 13, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So God is the ultimate source of our hope. And it's in that hope that he fills us with, our, with his blessings of peace and joy. You know, we don't have to live discouraged lives. We don't have to be perpetually stuck in a place of despair or hopelessness. We can be encouraged and we can know hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. We also see in God's work that this gladness causes joy in Psalm 122.1. It says, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. You know, we should go into the house of the Lord and gather in God's presence with God's people for prayers and worship and encouragement and receiving God's word. You know, what if we came to church every single week just glad to be here? just so happy to be in our Savior's house so that we can worship and praise and sing and fellowship with other believers. We can leave our burdens at the cross because Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Jesus can give you rest. He can release you from the burdens that you have. And you can have the joy of the Lord. The second thing that we see is that Barnabas encouraged these believers. Barnabas encouraged them. He encouraged these new believers in Christ to continue in their faith. He focused on his main job 
as a leader of the congregation. He strengthened the church family with his encouragement. And the result of that encouragement was that we see that many people came to the Lord. You know, Barnabas calls them to remain true to the Lord and trust in his word. To remain in the Lord means to believe that Jesus is the Savior that God sent into the world. To remain in him means that because of his death on the cross, all of our sins have been forgiven. This is what Jesus meant when he said, abide in my love. And so Barnabas' messages was, don't quit, don't give up, keep going, even when it gets hard. Follow Jesus, continue to follow Jesus. Barnabas knew that they needed to hear this, and we need to hear this today as well. So don't give up. Keep on trusting in him and stay committed to following the Lord. So there is a gift of exhortation or a gift of encouragement. And we see it in Romans 12, 6 through 8. Um, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit when Paul wrote, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to give encouragement to others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. And so that word exhortation comes from the root word that means to advocate or comfort. In fact, we see that same Greek word with paraclete, which is the term for the Holy Spirit of helper or comforter. So an exhorter, not an exhorter, but an exhorter, is someone who encourages, having the gift of encouragement. You know, It's a gift that enables a person to encourage others to become mature in their faith in Jesus Christ. And when we're encouragers, we develop relationships with others and we encourage them in their spiritual growth and we try to bring out the best in them, not the worst in them. You know, it's easy for us to speak words of discouragement. You know, many times it's not an intentional thing, but we do it. And so we need to keep encouraging others. You know, First Thessalonians, Paul wrote, encourage each other and build each other up. So Barnabas did that. You know, be a Barnabas in all that you do. Be a generous giver like Barnabas. Not only financially, but generous in your time and talents. So one thing I want to mention about the gift of encouragement is that those who have that gift means that it's easy for them to encourage people. It's kind of an easy thing. But just because you don't think you have a gift of encouragement doesn't mean that you can't encourage others. Because we can always encourage each other in the faith. We can always just drop somebody a note or say, hey, I'm praying for you. Or do you need some type of help with, you know, whatever you're struggling with? You know, so just because you don't think you have that gift doesn't mean that you can't encourage others and help others. You know, that's why, you know, small groups here at Woodland are so important to us. You know, it's in these groups that we can be authentic with one another it's a place that we can go and we can pray with each other. We can pray for each other for our needs. It's a place that we can find encouragement from one another. And so that's why pastor always talks about it being a safe place. 
And he always talks about how, you know, what happens in small group stays in small group, you know, because, you know, you're, you're being, you're having that relationship with others and you're being authentic with others and you're praying for things that sometimes people won't even tell their family members about, you know, but they feel, you know, that they can talk to you about that. So that's why we take it very seriously here, um, you know, because as Pastor said a couple weeks ago, when somebody trusts you and makes themselves vulnerable to you, there's no higher compliment that can be given to you, you know, for them to trust you. So if you're not in a small group, I encourage you to reach out to us and find out all the small groups that we do have. If you also remember, Pastor quoted a couple weeks ago a man named Leonard Sweet from his book, Eleven. And I want to re-say this, this quote because it's such a great quote. He said, a Barnabas is someone to hold up those tired and weary arms, someone to add a hand when you rarely or barely hear the sound of one clapping, someone who gives you permission to fail, permission to write a bad first draft, someone who can remind you that God gives us a portion adequate for us to make it through the day, someone who, when life takes your breath away, and you hold it in, will slap your back and inspire you with the enlivening spirit that makes you want to breathe again. Someone who will lift you up when you're road, when you're road whipped, world weary, bone tired, blood thin. When you feel buttonholed and brow beaten. Someone who will encourage you when you're tempted to think that the only difference between yogurt and the church you're a part of is the yogurt was active living culture. So everybody needs a Barnabas in their life. You know, if you remember Pastor Corey said this past Sunday, you know, that we are to be a person whose actions point towards Jesus. You know, make sure that your life matches your words. So when you're encouraging others, you know, be genuine with them. Have a relationship with them. The third thing is that Barnabas had a purpose. You know, Barnabas' purpose was to continue growing in the Lord, to have these people encourage them to continue growing in the Lord. You know, God started a work in this Gentile church, and it was Barnabas' purpose was to continue that work and encourage them, walk along with them. And as it says, the result was many people were saved, and it was here at Antioch where the disciples were first called Christians. And it's funny because the Romans called them that because they thought it was, you know, an insult. You know, oh, those Christians, you know. I think I read uh, one uh, preacher say uh, they were called little Christ, you know. So they kind of were doing it mockingly, you know. And it actually was a title of honor. And it should be a title of honor because we are Christ-like. We're passionate followers of Christ who strive to be disciples of Christ to live a Christ-like life. And so if the Romans were here today, would they be able to label you a Christian, a Christ follower, or one of those Jesus people? You know, do we have purpose in our heart to continue the work of Christ? Are we willing to go and get someone and bring them to help carry out that purpose? Even if the person the Holy Spirit is directing you to is an unlikely person. The last thing I want to talk about is these three great descriptions that 
they describe Barnabas here in Acts. The first thing is that he was a good man. You know, he was a good man because he lived a Christ-like life. And so, you know, he didn't sin. Well, he did sin, but he wasn't a habitual sinner. He wasn't a thief. He wasn't the town drunk. You know, he didn't cheat on his wife. You know, it's not like he never sinned. You know, we all do. But he had a reputation that was one that identified him as a good man. So Barnabas was a good man, and he was full of the Holy Spirit. God was with him. In Ephesians 5.18, it says, Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit means that he occupies every aspect of your life, that he guides us daily, and he fills our innermost thoughts, our desires, and our motives. You know, Galatians 5.18 tells us that we're walking in the Spirit when we're led by the Spirit. You know, we all are full of something, you know, either it's sports or work or money or hobbies or family or our possessions or fame or love. But if we're full of all of these things without being full of the Holy Spirit, then we're really full of nothing. You know, when our lives are, are just about what's in our wallet, and that all takes control of our lives, then it's really meaningless. But when we live a spirit-led life, we live in humility toward God, surrendering our will to his, then the result is that we will live a life of joy and thanksgiving. And remember that Barnabas was glad, and he had good reason to be glad, because he was full of the Holy Spirit. The last thing it says was that Barnabas was full of faith. Barnabas didn't have a wavering faith. He didn't have a faith only when things were good. Barnabas had a deep faith in God. Hebrews eleven six says, And it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So Barnabas had great faith. He was a man of faith. He believed and obeyed the gospel, the good news. And that's why it was so easy for him to be a great encouragement to this church. So not only did Barnabas have this purpose, but he was also had these great godly characters that, that he possessed. You know, um, he was kind of all that in a bag of chips, as you would say. He had a genuine heart for God, and his faith in Christ was evident in everything that he did. So in conclusion, I want to end with this, is that as we look through Scripture, we see in passages after passages how vital encouragement is. It's an expression of love for God's people. I like when one author says, encouragement is like oxygen in the life of the church. It keeps hearts beating, minds clear, and hands inspired to serve. So because encouragement is so important to the church, God actually commands that we do it. In Hebrews 3.13, it says, But encourage each other daily, while it's still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. So God commands us that we encourage each other daily because he knows that we need it in this broken world. We can learn a lot from the church, early church. Encouragement is a vital and regular part of that early church when we read through the book of Acts. They shared the word of God with each other to encourage each other in the faith. 
they united together in prayer and they strengthened each other and they knew that encouragement was and is necessary to extend the grace of God. And so how do I grow in being encouragement with others? How do I encourage others? I think the first thing is, is that we can pray that God will make you an encourager. Ask him to give you a heart that loves others and to know how to show it. Ask him to help you lose your self-centeredness and grow a desire to build, each, build others up, even when you don't feel like it. The second thing is study the life of Barnabas and ask God to make you like him. Barnabas was nicknamed the son of encouragement by the early church. He was the kind of guy that you just wanted to have around you as you were serving the Lord. You know, he wasn't just a spiritual cheerleader. He was a great man of conviction and faith. You know, so ask God to give you your church and your church a heart like Barnabas. The third thing is to pray that God will show you how to encourage or who to encourage. Ask God to bring people to mind of who you need to encourage. Maybe you write the names down in your Bible or on your notes. People who you know are discouraged or lonely or someone who may need to hear some encouraging words from you. One way to do this is going through and praying through your friends list or people that you go to school with or church with or people in your neighborhood or community. But the fact is we need to just get started on this. You know, who can you encourage right now? Who has blessed you recently that you can think of? You know, what verse can you share with them? And how might God use it? Our encouragement of others can really make a difference in someone's life. So if you're a believer in Christ, I ask that you commit yourself to be an encourager that God created you to be. And if you've never trusted in Jesus as Lord and your Savior, I want to encourage you right now to place your trust in Him. There's no better time than right now because God proved His love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right now you can cross the line and give your life to God. Just open your heart and receive Him as your Lord and Savior. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time that we have together tonight in your word. I pray that we'll all leave tonight being encouraged by you and your word. And that we leave here wanting to go out and be an encourager to our family, our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors. And that we strive daily to be good men and women of God. And that we, like Barnabas, be gracious to one another. Be generous in all that we do and that we be compassionate and tender-hearted to everyone that we come in contact with. I pray for all of our students and our teachers who are getting ready to go back to school soon, Lord. I pray that you will protect them as they learn to grow in knowledge. I pray that they you know, be good and faithful witnesses to you, and that they will not afraid, be afraid to speak truth about your amazing love. I pray for all of those right now that need a healing touch tonight, Lord. You are Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. And we ask for divine healing on those who need it tonight. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you are the God that heals. Pray for anybody tonight, Lord, that has COVID or any type of sickness that they might have. I pray that you just take those viruses away. I pray for anyone who's going to be having surgery. I pray that you'll guide the hands of those surgeons and the nurses. And whatever surgery that they're having, that they'll come out of the surgery 
better than ever, renewed, and that you'll make them whole again. I pray for our community, Lord, that we as the body of Christ can continue to be an encouragement to those in our community and our neighborhoods that need to hear from us, Lord. And that when someone hears that Woodland Church is our home church, that they will say that those believers at Woodland are good men and women of God and that they're full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. And I pray for our leaders, Lord, both nationally and locally, that they will remain faithful to the office that you have given them and that they seek your wisdom on how to represent everyone and that you give them courage to stand up for what is right and that you would give them grace to know how to unify us. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you and have a good night. And again, if you uh, want any information on Woodland Church, you can email us at info at woodland.church. And don't forget to log into our app and our website uh, for any past sermons. And if you need prayer, you can email us at prayer at woodland.church. Thank you and have a great evening.